Mad Max Fetty Road. Get out. Get out. <laughs> Start your sublight engines, it's time for RuPelp's Pod Race, a queer Star Wars podcast. Welcome back to another week of chaos. My name is Mel, I use they-them pronouns. You can find me on social media at Melvin Culpa, and my gender this week is the little guy in last season's Hut Slayer bikini uh, at 10.33 in the episode. You're gonna have to go look at it for yourself because yeah. I cannot verbally explain. Here, I'll send a screenshot to y'all because I have it open. That looks like, um, you went I haven't off for seen this. the Suicide Squad, but y'all know that character <laughs> named The Weasel. My name is Ollie. Um, I use any pronouns. You can find me on social media at Ollie Fresh. It's fresh with a PH. And my gender this week is Tuscification, which is what the process that Boba Fett went through in this episode. Is That's that very not just Yassification? Hi, my name is Claudia. Um, my pronouns are she, her. You can find me on social media at Kaludia says, K-A-L-U-D-I-A says. My gender of the week is um, your driving instructor, Boba Fett. Uh, at the beginning, you see him go to the DMV, which is in the mayor's office, and he, like, is struggling with the fact that their scheduling system is really, um, I-, I literally thought it was the funniest, I, I think the show is really funny in general, the the, com- the comedic timing is stellar, um, and him just going in and-, and then being like, do you have an appointment? I thought I was gonna die, but then later on when he's try- is teaching the Tuscans how to drive, I think it all just went together. Um, and it was a very relatable experience for me. I'm Jess. My pronouns are they, them. You can find me on TikTok and Twitter at Kawaii Jessio. And my gender this week, it's just a, a rat. I, I My gender was almost very briefly Jake Paul Fennec Shand. It's just a prank, bro, because that dude got thrown in there. And I, I did think there was going to be a, a Moochie cameo, but instead... Like you said, uh, because Zendaya? unfortunately, Luke, Luke did kill that thing. Yeah. No, also, but I was making a reference to Avatar: The Last Airbender about just just a bear because it was just a rat. Yeah, oh my god! Like, get out of here! That it wasn't any kind of special little rat. It was literally just a rat. It's just a little guy. I was thinking that. I was like, oh my god! It's it's just a rat. My name is Noah. My pronouns are he, him. You can find me on social media at the Jewish Jedi. And my gender this week was going to be Boba Fett in his driver's ed era, but somebody stole that. So instead, my gender is Tamara Morrison saying, like a bantha, which I think was the best <laughs> part of the episode. <laughs> he does a little dancey dance on the speaker. Um, I would like to announce the death of a segment that was introduced last week that we are no longer doing. Um, it was called the books of Boba Fett because we all foolishly operated under the assumption that the episodes would be named after books, but this was not. Some of you, some of us just stayed uh, silent okay. about it. I Cause suppose, we were like, I suppose I should correct it. I was operating under the foolish assumption that they would name the episode after books. And then we would explain the books. They did not. Um, this episode was however, titled the tribes of Tatooine. And overall, I really liked it. Yeah, we started this episode off very, very funky fresh um, back with the the boys. Um, Fennec brings back the little assassin man that she captured last episode and is like, what the fuck is your deal? And he's like, I'm not saying shit. And then they throw him in the Rancor pit and he's like, I guess I'll talk now. He talks and he's like, I guess I'll talk. I guess I'll talk now because I'm scared of the Rancor. And Fennec has maybe the best delivery ever when she's like, 
there's no rancor in there. I don't remember what the exact line is. I'm kicking myself, but it's so funny. The gay little slide they have to make the chair go forward. I remember that being, that is, I believe, in Return of the Jedi, right? Am I just being forgetful? Yeah. But it was so much more fun with Fennec, like, luxuriating on the side of the chair as it slides forward. Do you think Boba and Fennec, like just mess with that sometimes like Woo, oh, a thousand they, they practiced that move they were like okay we're gonna do it at some they were like we don't have a rancor but consider let's practice consider it like we have a rat okay the idea is the idea of <laughs> fennec being like you know maybe if we need like to intimidate someone because i know you're not super big on the torture thing maybe we could just like pretend we have a rancor and Bob was like there is no way that is gonna work and then this happened and she was like, oh, it's time for our trick. Maybe he'll be scared of the rancor. And Bob was like, all right. And then it worked. He was like, oh, wig. Okay. Go girl boss. I guess one thing I like about this, and this was evident in The Mandalorian, but I guess now it's more solidified that this is like a tone that they're going with is the comedic timing is really funny and really good. Like they brought back beats from the last episode um and and they they kept it wasn't just like it wasn't just like i'm gonna throw out a one line or whatever like there was act there's actually like comedic writing there and also clearly a lot of like really good delivery from from the actors other than the main points of the episode I, I, that has now become my favorite part of it um and all the jokes that we've been making about like oh they're two pretty best friends and this is how they would act whatever then that's literally how they act like we can't even exaggerate it at this point i just wanted to bring up you know like the beginning and they're like go you see fennec bring the dude back to the palace how far is the palace away from Mos espa and did fennec just make that man walk with her all the way from Mos espa back to the palace i do enjoy the idea that from boba's palace to Mos espa because we know that boba did not come in on a leader i like the idea of him getting an uber pool and having everyone in there. And so the Uber pool left with Boba and the, the Gamorians when he was like, I have to, I've ran out of spoons. Get me back in my little bath. Um, and so Fennec's like, fuck you. I don't have a phone. I can't order another one. Guess I'll just walk. Maybe she does. And they're just like the the palace parking area is underneath. And so they have, <laughs> so to, you have to walk back up. Yeah, there's no like, the there's no elevator or whatever. Because like, if you've read the comics and stuff, you know that there's like shit in the bowels of the palace. So like, the parking maybe isn't connected. So maybe there's, you have to. No, like, no, no, no. <laughs> there's shit in the bowels of the palace. <laughs> we can't be fifth graders on Maine. We like, already are. That's a solid. That's a solid seventh grade joke. Okay. All right, IBS Thrawn. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, also, I didn't realize we were getting personal. Okay. I was making fun of you. I was saying that you always bring up IBS when Thrawn is around. Uh, I actually know what's in Jabba's palace because I played the critically acclaimed Lego Star Wars games. And there are multiple levels in which you are inside Jabba's palace. So Is it full of shit? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I think there's an external parking structure and they were just walking around to the driveway. Granted, that does look like kind of like a kind of like a garage. The door world's opener. longest driveway. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like when your family like fills your your house and your garage with shit and then you can't actually put the car in the garage. I <laughs> so you have to walk. <laughs> I do like Hoarders Jabba's Palace Edition. 
where like Boba and Fennec like take over Jabba's palace and they're like, okay, we have to like go through like everything that they own here. Like this room seems pretty nice. And then they open literally the door to like any other room in Jabba's palace and it's just like floor to ceiling, just like pizza boxes and like random, random mail and other paraphernalia. And they're like, okay, well, Matt Berry protocol droid, please help. I'm so glad he was still in the episode. I was like, oh, thank God you're still here. Speaking of cameos that we saw again, Max Rebo made another cameo in this episode. Yeah, I was like, oh my Max God. Rebo, you're still here too. That's new, so great. Oh, new ship, Max Rebo slash Matt Berry protocol droid, who's obsessed <gasps> with feet canonically. Stop. Okay, Max Rebo does play the piano or the little thing with his feet, so... I think that oh makes God, sense. It's a match made in heaven. For those of you who don't know, um, the Matt Berry protocol droid, whose name escapes me, not protocol droid, um, torture droid, is in um, uh, Return of the Jedi in the scene where C-3PO and R2 are getting escorted in the basement. Um, there's a scene where that droid is like looking in the at bowels. Another... <laughs> in the bowels. It's all the shit. There is a scene where they're looking at like the wheels bottom feet part of a of a dismembered droid and it's very funny yeah this brings me to another question now too that we brought up max revo it's like did is this all still happening on the same day like did they like go back to the palace like boba had this little like moment where he's like okay i've rested uh in my little pod again fennec has brought me this assassin the assassin got spooked by our not rancor and told us that the mayor was was trying to assassinate me now let's go back even though we were just there like an hour ago i think so and i think then yeah. the rest of the dreams are when he like goes to sleep for the night i and wish that the show would do like uh like a like a video game-esque title card that's like day one night one day two just so we know i like the dawn of the final day 24 hours we're like what is this a countdown to um, no, I, but I, do, I mean, I, yeah, it makes sense. I don't think there was any time where I, like, yeah, Boba just, maybe they, like, when Fennec brought him in, they locked him up for a little so Boba could, like, take a shower or something. I don't know. He's like, let me put on new clothes. I did get mine's all wet in the, the pod. I do want to say Fennec Shand being like, oh, those guys, you pay for the brand. Like, she, re- she really was like, I mean, Gucci, it's overpriced when you could just... Uh, you know what Fennec Shand was me going you could just get the Costco brand which is equally as good of a of quality and a better price and it's actually the same product they just put it in a different bottle and you would never know that's when I'm explaining that to people that's her um about the assessment so it has just occurred to me that I do believe Fennec Shand is the type to buy quite literally everything at like Costco's exactly at costco like that's why all of her clothes look the exact same is because she's buying this she's my dad she's an extreme no she's an extreme couponer oh (gasps) my god she's the person who goes to safeway with so many coupons that she walks out with the with the store owing her money like not only is everything (laughs) free but like they have to give her cash because of the value she turned in we were saying that the palace is full of shit because of hoarder bib fortuna let's assume it's not let's assume it's not java and it's hoarder bib fortuna and it's full of shit let's say that they clean it out and then she's like i have all the space and now i need to stock and she she orders delivery from space costco and she's always like very organized about it just as much as she is about her guns and everything so Boba's like how do we always have so much of everything and she's like 
because I have a Costco membership. Like, what's not clicking? He's the one um, who's buying all the toilet paper. Exactly. But but here's the thing. Not toilet paper hoarder Fennec Shand. I'm just saying, um, if, if in theory they cleared out Bib Fortuna's hoarding era, it had to go somewhere, right? So I would like to propose the idea of Boba's Palace garage sale. Because they weren't just going to, like, throw it away. Like, because if Fennec is in her extreme couponing era, she's also the type to pick up something from, like, 45 years ago and be like, I bet I could get something good for this. <laughs> like, that's what it... So, like, she prior to the She picks things up show, on the curb. When Tatooine pickers. <laughs> I also do like the idea of Boba being like, Fennec, you're being... Like, I, we need to have a conversation about this because you are being a little bit much. And she's like, why we have the storage? And you know what? Now we have two children to take care of. The Gamorreans, we need to take care of them. They're our responsibility. And our, and our little torture droid, we have to take care of them. We're basically parents now. You can't just keep acting like... You can't just keep acting like we don't need to stockpile on stuff. And he's like, okay. Speaking of the Gamorreans, did they like um get them like better shorts i don't know their asses weren't out this episode i think it was just better angles no up the skirt shots for the gamorians um, oh also fun fact about the gamorians um i did find out that based on a couple different sources i believe it was from a couple um now legends games the gamorian guards in jabba's palace did have names there are nine of them we don't know what the last two's names are but their names were ortug rogua jubnuk gartog ghana gleemort Thok and Thug. So I'm proposing like that Thok. this is... I like this being Thok and Thug, the two survivors. I also have to say one thing that I noticed was when Boba walks out to face the two huts, um, he has the Gamorreans behind him, but he also has Fennec behind him. And he says straight to Fennec, he goes, watch my back, which he wouldn't usually have to do because he has the Gamorreans behind him. And my first thought was like, Maybe in that moment he's thinking like, okay, they went from one boss to another. And if they see that there's another hut in charge, maybe they're going to go on the hut side. So maybe I don't trust the Gamorreans anymore. That was, I was like, oh no, our little green guys. But then they were fine. So. Thok and Thug would never betray him like that. Anyways, we have so much left of the episode. This was 52 minutes and we're about mm, five minutes in. So let's move on. Basically, uh, some huts roll up. They're like hey, we're twins. This is actually like our place. And Bubba's like, mm, you're done. No, no, because like um, I killed Bib Fortuna and, you know, Bib Fortuna did um, take over after Jabba. So I'm, this is my house now. <laughs> That's Boba Fett in that moment. He said, actually, I'm the alpha. I'm the leader. No. <laughs> Where's Rada? Where's Rada's I.E.? <laughs> living his life somewhere. Hopefully, maybe. If they pull the whole like, well, you didn't really kill Jabba. Uh, by that logic, Leia is the legal owner of. No, <laughs> not the Mandalore. The- Dark saber logic. <laughs> I just love the idea of them being like, yeah, you didn't actually kill Jabba. And he's like, yeah, but like, neither did you. Neither did Bib Fortuna, actually. It was this other lady that I didn't know about. I honestly was just surprised to see some huts still alive because, you know, I'm dumb and I'm really was under the impression that most of the huts got killed by Darth Vader, but whatever. I was really hoping it was going to be a surprise Gardula moment. I can't remember if she's actually she's dead or not. I just was really thinking that would be fun if she was like, hey guys, I got electrocuted really bad in the High Republic and then was silent for like 200 years. What's up? 
I believe in some of the in some of the comics. Um, I'm still catching up. They're like a lot of the huts are dead, but there's like a couple that are alive and trying to hustle their way around. But I think that was also why they had the line of Bilba being like, "Yeah, I mean, why would the huts be here? Like, aren't they all kind of concerned with the business on Nalhada?" And he said debauchery. So I don't know if that means like they've turned it into a family casino, much like I think that this palace will become once Omega comes and they turn it into the Fett family casino. No. Little, little little reference. Anyways, so then we do um get into like a flashback of um one of like just like <sighs> I have so many thoughts about this. Boba's kind of like adoption into this Tuscan tribe. First and foremost, I would like to say that it was explicitly said that there are different tribes of Tuscans on Tatooine, which is very cool and epic and something we had kind of mentioned. I don't remember if it got cut from last week's episode or not. Um, So that's very fun and cool. If you look back at like the Mandalorian and then just basically the, the, the Tuscan, every mention of Tuscans, the Tuscans in Mando and in A New Hope have similar wardrobes. I can't speak for, um, what is it called? Uh, Attack of the Clones. Um, they're probably similar, but these ones are distinctly not, um, which is interesting to me. Um, because like, on one hand, I'm like, yes, I love that we're getting some variation. We're getting some like, these are not just like, one group of people there are many um and it, i think it also makes sense more of like anakin's whole shebang of he's like i killed all of them i'm like you clearly did not kill all of them you killed this entire like tribe which is still very bad but then i uh, it also kind of made me take pause because i was like are we doing like some five civilized tribes shit here like that's ugh, i don't love that i don't think that's what they're doing but that's me also being um a positive patty. I've never heard that term in my life before. I didn't I... either. I just was like, this kind of sounds like some white people word. So stop. Love. Um, positive patty. <laughs> She's negative like Nancy's girlfriend. Exactly. I will say there was also a line when he and I don't do any of the Tuscan characters have names yet. No. And that is another point of contention for me. I'm like, please, can any of these bitches just have a name? Please. Okay, yeah. I was about to say, I'm like, it's very weird that in addition to basically being rendered faceless by virtue of like what they wear, that they're also not given names because in terms of like, uh, God, what's the word? Well, okay. Visual representation, like facelessness is obviously a theme in like Mandalorian culture, but those characters also have names and are given like personal histories and they have lives and inner worlds. Whereas so far, to my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong, we don't have a single, like, named Tuscan character. Yeah, I was going to say, like, even for Din Djarin or, like, the armor or somebody, like, we don't learn their names for quite some time, but we have titles for them for some of the ones that we, like, we never see their face. And with the Tuscan language, like, we don't see... We don't see them have, like, a full conversation that we can understand with subtitles until Boba can understand it. So at first I was like, can we just, can I, you know, uh, it was nice when Din was there to translate, although could we just have translation on the screen so that we as the viewer can see what they're saying? I'm okay. I, that is something I viscerally hate when media does, like, the chewy effect, where it's like, oh, if the viewer POV character can't understand them, then we, they can't understand them. I'm like, 
we can still show that that person doesn't understand them without othering them and what all, what that means. We could still show that and then translate it to us. And I know that, that, that throughout Star Wars, that's always been a weird thing of like whether or not they translated on screen what Greedo says in A New Hope and stuff like that. I'm like, it, it doesn't it doesn't change the experience for the viewer. Like you, you still feel like they are a different species than the person or a different culture. They are speaking a different language. It is fine. I feel like in The Lord of the Rings, they they put the, the subtitles on the screen. Am I wrong? Someone please correct me. I know um, sometimes they don't, but sometimes they I'm, do. I'm trying to think of Lord of the Rings characters that speak in non-English languages that are not like the orcs. Like when the I orcs do, not... they, they do put subtitles sometimes. Yeah. But I mean, I would when would they speak like Sindarin. I, I would not cite the orcs as like a, a good example. No, that's a very bad one. I'm talking when like the elves speak. Oh, oh yeah. No, the elves always have yeah. subtitles. That that's what I'm talking about. Like <laughs> never mind. Hmm, like interesting. Like the yeah. exa- exactly. 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 Like uh, people talk like I, I'm thinking of that because like language is big and big there, but it's like it's very clear to the viewer. They are speaking a language that the people around them don't understand. And I and and it's like, I, I don't know why you can't do that. And then coupling it with the fact that they don't have names um, or even titles like the armorer or whoever, it is very annoying. It's annoying. Yeah, I think the only t- named Tuscans we have are in Legends. And then and from a certain point of view, there is uh, Rayrin, right? I think there's something that I will say in terms of keeping them. I think keeping them nameless. I'm like, at the very least, give them some sort of moniker, something that we can know them by other than just you know, the one who did the cool trick with the, you know, with the staff, like, I'd like that. Flippy McGee. Yeah. Oh my God. New name dropped. But I do kind of get the, like, not translating it, translating it until Boba can understand it. Cause I do feel like from a storytelling perspective that did enhance kind of, it showed like, oh, he's like integrating and he's being adopted into their culture and he can understand them. So I did kind of like that. Um, but I do get how it's kind of like inaccessible and it does kind of other them. But I also feel like in my view, it almost othered Boba because he was the only one who didn't understand. And it made you be like, oh, I'm othered with him. I, I agree. I also think, though, like it could be. And once again, I am giving just a little bit too much credit to John Favreau when I say like it could be a matter of like you just don't share your names with strangers. You just don't fucking say that shit. Like, you just don't give that information out. I wish it was like the Mandalorians where it was like you only give out your name when you start, when you trust them. Like, Din only gives out his name when you trust them. And then that would have given some narrative weight also to them finally trusting uh, Boba Fett uh, in some way. And on, and him giving them his name in that way, especially if now he can speak their language. And there's so much we don't know about, like, Tuscan culture. So it's like there very well could be something in Tuscan culture and maybe we'll learn about it in later episodes of them being like our names are in it. Our names are spoken in a way that you can't pronounce. So you can just call me Doug like Geode. But Thrawn moment. Like it could be. No, because you could say Mithron Yorodo. Anakin's just stupid. But Geode's name you can't pronounce. So you have to call him Geode. But I digress. I think that that is something that would be really interesting just to see like the Tuscans relationship with language and relationship with names and culture as a whole. Yeah. Um, as much as I want to be like, you know, here are my thoughts about like, uh, as someone who likes to learn about linguistics on a, like a whole level, this is also episode two. 
Um, so I, I do feel like to a certain extent, at least me personally, I'm like, maybe I should pull back and like let the show happen. But it's also in my nature to be like, you know, what's the deal with this? One thing that I like about intercommunication between Tuscan and non-Tuscan characters is their use of TSL, Tuscan Sign Language, which I think practically speaking was probably done to maybe move because the Tuscans in their original portrayal are, you know, deeply racist and anti-Indigenous and paired with that are like the way that they communicate is not, it's not great. And I feel like perhaps the the use of signing is sort of a way to maybe bridge the gap so they're more um, able to be seen as people. That said, it's also just a really cool narrative detail because Boba seems to pick up uh, sign language a lot faster than he's able to ever pick up verbal communication. Um, and I just, I liked that. He still seems a little goofy at it though, um, which is something that I noticed as someone who has learned sign language is that like deaf people will still occasionally be like, you're kind of bad at this. And I'm like, I know I'm trying. Uh, but some of the Tuscans reactions, like he would sign at them and they would be like, okay, he's trying. We really appreciate that. But like still wrong, still getting there. But I liked that. And I liked him learning to communicate with them, you know, to do the whole, the train heist moment, which I would like to talk about. <laughs> Um, I'm the train is really when they're like John and Dave and Robert are like, by the way, in case you forgot, this is a Western and we are, I cannot stress enough. This is a Western and we're like, we get it. And then, you know, certain things then do become both good and problematic in that way. The train was interesting in that it brought a level of like, a really advanced technology in, on Tatooine. We always see like speeders that are kind of broken and whatever. Even when we see Luke and we see the the moisture farms, whatever, and we see this like fast moving train that we would only see on different planets, um, kind of things. So it was almost jarring, um, and it was very. They're like, all right, we're we're doing an old west train heist. I was like, oh boy, okay, we're going there. Ain't that the name? The last name of the the Mandalorian? Jarring. Get it? Like, didn't, like jarring. Anyway, um, I do want to say shout out to um, uh, Steph Green, who is the director of this episode. There were so many shots in this, and there were a lot of like cuts and camera moves that felt so reminiscent of the original trilogy. Like there was one scene when the conductor droid was conducting the train, and there's a part where the camera does a really quick zoom on it, like onto his hands, and I was like, that is straight from like straight from return of the jedi like it felt like it felt like one of those corny like transitions that i adore also um and i don't know where to find this information but the the score of this episode in particular like the music was really good ludwig Gorison um, girl give us everything no literally i would like it really worked for all the scenes particularly when uh boba is burning the body of one of the tuscans who died during the first raid like the way that it that scene is shot and scored made it like have a lot of really deep emotion to it that I appreciated. Um, I thought that was fun. I thought the train heist was a fun time. I like a train heist. I loved the crosshair beam, uh, which is, I guess what I'm referring to all thrusters has from here on out as the crosshairification of different characters. Um, I think Ludwig did the theme music, but I think someone else is doing the scoring. According to Wikipedia, its composer is Joseph Shirley, and I feel like there was somebody else in the credits. I, I don't know if it's Ludwig the whole time, but even so, the music has been banging. 
I liked when the fucking little droid, when Boba's like, stop the train, and the droid just jumps out the fucking window. He literally was I like, I'm not paying enough for this. That was so funny. I was like, wow, I guess that droid's destroyed now. We got up and crawled away like a weird little spider. And I was like, I hate that, but this is a fun time. That droid is a minimum wage worker. He's like, I'm not paid enough to run this train. I got to get out of here. It's very fun whenever we see the Pike syndicate. Because at at first I was like, are those Pikes? And I was like, no. And I was like, they are Pikes. I just wanted to say, I forgot what the Pikes looked like without their weird little masks on. So I was just like, ugh. (laughs) They look like little weird fish people. First, I was like, wait, are those the pikes? And then I was like, oh, yay, yay me for knowing every glup shitto. Um, but but um, their presence was interesting because, number one, it connects us to uh, it was Crimson a fake. It, it connects us to Crimson Dawn for real because the 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 guys in the red, they were not Crimson Dawn. But these these guys are in that they were a part of the shadow collective that Maul ran the Pikes, he recruited them to his MLM. Their main thing is Spice. We see ah- Ahsoka briefly uh, mistakenly work with them. Uh, and all kinds of stuff like that. But um, what was in- their presence mainly like in this episode was to show that like without the Huts in charge, everybody's trying to get a piece. Um, like even if they were just using Tatooine to just, you know, transport stuff i don't know where what they're transporting from where to where like why are they transporting spice across tatooine you know it might just be a through fair like it's really just like now it's gonna be anybody's game so it's almost to me the indication was like maybe it's not people trying to come for his throne there's also going to be a lot of him being dropped in the middle of the huts are disintegrated Creating, um, and what does that mean? Because the Pikes would never have encroached on hut territory like that before. And I think that's why he was like, what are you doing here with Spice, my guy? So we did kind of skip a major plot point in this um, episode, which is to say, one, like, Boba is integrating with the 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 Tuscans and, like, there is cultural exchange happening and mutual respect happening we get to see we we missed entirely the part the fun part of this episode which is the driving montage um of like boba being like hey we're kind of friends now me and the warrior person they're teaching me how to fight good with a stick uh with a gaffy stick can i can i go beat the shit out of those guys on at fucking tashi station and they're like go for it dude and he he comes back with um the the speeders and that was just a really fun moment of like of seeing like reciprocity of him being like okay like you've done this service for me look at these fun little bikes and like they're like fuck these bikes what the the fuck you bring these back what the hell is this (laughs) and he's like no 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 i got it let me teach you let me tell you a little story and then he teaches them and it's just absolutely like seeing that little montage that was everything to me I know that people are going to wonder, <laughs> the toxic stands are going to be like, he's Boba Fett, he's the best, he's the best warrior. Why does he have to learn staff fighting? Um, and I thought about this for a little bit, and I thought it was an interesting piece of characterization because if his father is Django, let's say he didn't grow up on Mandalore or whatever, his father is a gunslinger, his father is a bounty hunter. Sure, he's trained in hand-to-hand combat and he can hold his own, but he's 
mostly he's mostly a gunslinger kind of guy. Um, I'm sure you much like Din Djarin, I'm sure if you hand him uh, hand him a stick sort of weapon, he can hold his own. But it's not his main thing, obviously, because he, the Tuscans can hand him his ass. Um, so it's an interesting piece of like something that he doesn't have a strength in. Um, and he wouldn't have grown up as much learning. Um, actually, any of the clones wouldn't have grown up learning as much either because with their training on Kamino. Again, this is a piece of the directing or maybe whatever. I thought it was just so cool. And I was like, man, you know what? I do like Star Wars when the Tuscan leader like flips him on his ass and then points the thing at him. And it's the same move that he does to the stormtrooper. Um, when he's introduced in the Mandalorian to the point where it's like the same shot and everything and I was like you know sometimes cinema is good like sometimes I I do love it here I was thinking about like oh this is probably gonna happen everyone was thinking oh this is probably gonna happen for for Dinjar and he's gonna have to learn how to use the darksaber but it really was a big parallel for me with Sabine uh if I think about Sabine and Boba parallels for too long I do get very upset because she's like, I know how to use a sword. Like, I know how to use every weapon, whatever. And they're like, okay, but like not as much as anybody else. And she has to go through this training um, that is both actual physical training and also a personal journey that is also a cultural exchange. Like for her, it's addressing her Mandalorian identity and with her, with the Jedi in her life. And I feel like it's similar here with Boba and the Tuscans, um, especially with their parallels to Mandalorian culture, even if he doesn't consider himself Mandalorian. So you bringing up like um, Boba's like, and Camino earlier too, is making me like moving, a well, not really away, but like, you know, when Boba goes on his little um, spiritual weird, journey I get not it's not weird what am I saying but it is kind of weird because it's just like here you go lizard in your brain now that was a little odd and it was just a plain lizard too so we have plain rat and plain lizard now canonically um but Boba's little like um vision and then you see young Boba again like thinking about Django leaving on the fire spray and like running after him like looking out the window I was like wow that makes me very sad (laughs) But also, so did he, he really did go out into the desert and find a stick, huh? Like, I thought it was just like I a guess. weird, like, dream. Uh, but, okay. like, he he did come back with a stick. So. Hmm. Spoilers for the Torah. But um, I was literally like, this is the book of, Gen- of Genesisification of Boba Fett. Like, he wanders out into the, into the wilderness and sees water and a tree. And I'm like, okay, I remember this part. I thought that was really weird. I didn't really know what to make of it while it was happening. And overall, I was just sort of confused. And then it was over and I was like, okay. So yeah, this is where I kind of want to talk about my critiques of this episode because overall, I really enjoyed this episode. I truly think it is probably like my second favorite piece of Star Wars visual media that we've gotten, um, which is fun because I've come to realize that my favorite pieces of Star Wars have nothing to do with the Jedi. Um, at least in the visual media, the books, however, that's a different story. Anyways, because like, this was a, an interesting story, but I, I, I have to pause when I think about that because I'm like, okay, the creative team on this, the director, the writer, these were all white people. This was all a story told through the settler gaze. However, because Tem is an indigenous man, he's Maori, it becomes different. It becomes inherently different. And if he were not indigenous, 
this would be a very different episode um, and a different story being told. And so that is interesting to me because that makes Boba Fett one of the only human characters where his race is inherently something that is tied to him and cannot be um, uh, divorced from him. And I think that's just, that's good and bad, right? Like there's there's good things about it of like, representation win. <laughs> we got him boys. Um, but also like, hmm, weirdly loaded. So there is that. That is my first, my first layer. Now we go to the second layer. Um, so the reason that this may have felt out of place, but also weirdly in place is because in the Western genre itself, this idea of like medicine men and like vision quests is super prevalent. It is maybe my least favorite like trope in movies where they're like, oh, we're hanging out with the natives, time to do some type of hallucinogen and have a vision. Um, because like, it's not necessary. You didn't really need to do it for this episode. I Something I was talking to Ollie about this earlier, I think would have been much more um, narratively fulfilling is if rather than this being like a, a vision quest type thing, it was like a, a, like a ceremony of like a coming of age ceremony or an adoption ceremony of him getting sent with like the Tuscan child and all their little friends to go find the the staffs for their gaffy sticks. Um, and it would have also had like parallels to like Ilum and like the, the younglings and like that kind of thing. And so I think that that is just so much more narratively fulfilling, but it didn't happen and that kind of sucks. Um, but that is, that is why that felt both in and out of place and like to me it felt very bad i was like as soon as they because i i loved everything literally the like seconds up until that motherfucker the the chief tuscan brings out the little geico lizard i was like this is everything the tuscans are literally telling boba their story with their words we are getting information about their history boba is like hey it's fucked up that this is your history you shouldn't have to hide it that's great wonderful and then they're like vision <laughs> and that sucked ass but then he makes his gaffy stick and it's like okay well now we're back into the cool shit and then the end where they they do like they have they like, give him his fun little outfit from the mandalorian yeah, his little fit they're like you are one of one of us one of us something something i love about the outfit and this is just in general a lot of people have been talking about boba fett in general is like they took a character who's iconic because of his look and then they made a character about him and in that part they were like we're going to take meaning from the visual so at first they were like he's always had a white undersuit and then when we see him in the mandalorian he has a black undersuit and you think that's just because you know he was walking around in a generic black cloak and then he found his armor and put that on and we find out now that know that that has different meaning that is something that I love that we do when that happens in Star Wars or in anything that's like even a big franchise or whatever when you take something that like is merchandisable or whatever and you give it meaning um and for him also it felt very much like in the Mandalorian where he had armor and then he was like, I am changing as a person and it is changing who I am. Um, and obviously it was when when he was creating his his gaffy stick and it was a lot like uh it was a lot like Din with the with the armor, um, because that was something that Din was doing with the armorer and all that kind of stuff. And it just um it just it just flowed really well. And then, you know, when people are like, Oh, is he still wearing his little skirt? And you're like, Yes, he is because it matters to him personally and i i'm i i i literally did start crying <laughs> yeah it, it moves from like this idea of like 
white saviorism and cultural appropriation of like, oh yes, I'm wearing, I have a dream catcher for some reason. That's, you know, because people just have those um, and don't really understand what the fuck they're used for. Anyways, to like, this is a culture that has accepted me and I'm going to continue to carry with me for the rest of my life. And like that, that was a beautiful piece of visual storytelling. I loved that. This is actually something I very much appreciate about the about the High Republic is that when you have, and this is something that I was actually worried about with this show and why I, I asked Mel earlier, uh, I was like, is Tem a producer on the show? At least a producer um, of like, even when the show was announced, I was like, okay, are we going to have any indigenous voices at the, at the creative helm? This is like, I'm, I'm Latina. This is my absolute worry for the Andor show. Like I have fear in my heart about that for the Andor show. And that was my fear for, for this show. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we've gotten some things right so far. And it's something that I like in the High Republic is that when, this is just a fantasy or sci-fi or genre thing in general when we're in a world where our our cultural stuff doesn't exist, yet we can reflect that visually or, you know, these people look the way that we look, you know, what does that mean and how can we translate it without giving away that meaning or falling into certain tropes that they've they've been thoughtful about that, even though there are things we could talk about. Um, but that's because there are the like creators from marginalized groups behind the scenes and that's why that's usually my first my first worry there so that's that's yeah that's kind of my thing also is like what what does it mean uh what does it mean when uh when who's telling the story and also when you have big cultural products like this there's so many people with the input of it I know we talk about Encanto a lot on this podcast (laughs) um but I know with Encanto a lot I was like this is really great and I like this a lot however the main the main uh, couple of people at the top of the creative team are not Colombian uh they had a a lot of Colombian people come in, but the main people are not Colombian. So it's just a thing I think about a lot. And this is another example of that. So this is something I've been thinking about since the episode came out of like, because I can, there are moments where I'm like, yeah, this is, she's giving dances with wolves. Um, I, I said that in episode one. Um, and I think it's also just like, it's th- the entire idea of quote unquote going native is such a large thing rooted in this genre of like, okay, we do want to be sympathetic to indigenous people, but the only way we can do that is through the POV character. For some reason, we can't have these people tell their own stories, Um, which is why I liked in the episode when they got to tell their own story and see how relationally they're not going to go and like with when the pikes are there now they're not going to be like yeah so actually this is like these are our unceded territory like fuck you whatever um because that's not that's not what they're doing and so like having that like private communal space i think made a lot of sense um but also yeah i do think like was john favreau thinking that when he wrote this no and so having to hold both in your heart like I really liked this. I liked this story. I don't feel like it felt like there were moments I can see see if Boba had not been an indigenous man that this is like a white savior story. Um, but it becomes not that because of how we as the viewers are going through the world. Uh, like Claudia was saying, I think it's pretty, I think it's clear in the episode where 
different people on the creative team were pulling in more in certain directions over other ones. I don't know what was going on behind the scenes, but what I hope was happening, because I know we've heard Tem talk about the influences that he has personally brought, is that because he felt comfortable enough and had the opportunity enough to bring certain things to his character, that that was the reason why you know, they would feel more comfortable telling a story like this. They wouldn't normally if it was a white person at the front because that would be quite problematic. But they were like, if this is the angle he wants to take it at, this is the way we could tell this story because this is important to him and this is how he sees this character. I would hope that that's the way that it goes. I know that that's often, you know, how creatives work with each other. So I'm hoping that's that's how it is behind the scenes. Um, John Favreau, please don't let me down. Um, <laughs> but I would have loved if we'd had some indigenous writers on the show, though. I Yeah, I agree. I would have really liked to have a, a writer's room that reflected a little bit better the main cast. But I think that's, I can always say that about literally any project. We've seen Tim explicitly talk about how how he brought things into this performance, like Claudia said. I, I have to say throughout this whole episode, I was like, I cannot wait until they do the behind the scenes of this, especially for this episode. I I, I don't tend to watch those all the way through, but for this, I'm, I, I, I wanted to know every single bit. I agree. Also followed by a, another like, suggested reading I have for you is um, something I found on accident today, which is like, I think it's like called like the life and times of Tim, Tamora Morrison. Um, and uh, it is about him. Like 10 years ago, he hit this slump in his acting career of like, he couldn't book anything. And so he like, it's just like, it's like 15. No, it's like half an hour of him just like, living his 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 day-to-day life i think it's like his 52nd birthday during the episode and it's just him like being like this is my life these these are the things that i have done and you can see like how much like he was looking for something where he could just be a little guy and this is the perfect role for him to be just a little guy also at the very end he's like i might have to play a role that i've never played before i might have to be gay (laughs) good for him (laughs) I, okay. so, it's a, so, now, it's a, so he's like, "What am I gonna have to play gay?" Okay. He played Commander Cody, so I don't know. Like he's That's he's true. already played gay. Yeah. yeah, I could do a whole TED talk on when you are when you should be explicit about a political message and when you shouldn't, and how you should do that. Um, and there are many arguments about how that should be done in Star Wars, as well. Um, but I really liked how. He just said it straight to the screen. Like, he he really said, Boba Fett went down to Tashi Station to pick up some land back. And and it wasn't like, oh, that, like, you would have to, like, get it with the whole thing of the story. Like, he says it straight to the screen, straight whatever. And I, there are many times where you're like, it is so clear that this show or, or piece of Star Wars media, especially, Star Wars especially, is anti-fascist. Um, and in this p- specific one, it has a very specific message that he said straight to the screen. And I just felt, I really appreciated that they didn't hem and haw with it. Because sometimes Star Wars likes to hem and haw with it. And is not the most clear with their political messages. And by God, it was refreshing. I liked the part when the little Tuscan kid 
held Boba's hand and was like leading him across the camp. Like it's because Tem played both of the roles, but him talking to that kid felt so much like Boba talking or Django talking to Boba from Attack of the Clones. And it just made me be like, ma'am, Boba's like, listen, this is what Django did. And I'm going to, damn it, I'm going to do that. And I'm just, uh, and I love seeing like him build these individual relationships with each of the Tuscans. Hopefully at the very least, we'll hear what he refers to them as colloquially. But that being said, I just like, I just like that he's making friends. I liked the episode altogether. Altogether, I will say I liked it a lot better than I did episode one. Um, I liked episode one a lot. It was fun, but tonally, I, I don't think it, it had really found its footing yet. And I do feel like it has much more solid ground in this episode than it did in the previous one. Um, I will also say I'm very, very interested in the history of Tatooine as a planet now because one of the Tuscans mentions when the oceans dried up and I was like, when the what? Like, these are things I want the show to explore. I would put this in my like top 10, at least Star Wars TV moments. Um, I, I really, I really, I thought it was just a solid piece of television and I, I really, really liked it um, a lot. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think this was one of the most visually like dynamic and just good times that we've had in, in Star Wars. I'll say it my like second favorite piece of star wars visual media i said that earlier in the episode i, I what's just your first favorite rogue one um yeah i really enjoyed this episode i am so curious to hear more indigenous perspectives on it i've heard a few and for the most part especially from like indigenous people of the pacific well, of course we ate that shit up we were like hell yeah <laughs> um but i would love to hear other people's thoughts like i have said in previous episodes I have not read all of the Star Wars comics, but I did know <laughs> about Black Chris Chrysanthemum. What is his name? Is, is, is that right? But I saw him. I was like, oh, my God, I know you from the comics. That's yeah. so cool. Where is Bosk? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also fun Tashi Station and, you know, Luke's friends. So this was like, yay, nice little cameos. And yeah, like the Tuscan being flushed the Tuscans being fleshed out even more was like yes this is some good food and overall yeah it was it was good I'm really enjoying it we're only two episodes in but I'm just like damn this is so this is already up there for me I guess for like Star Wars media and like Mel Rogue One is also my favorite but yeah I was like wow what a what a fun funky fresh time I probably am going to rewatch this episode tomorrow with my sister Moving on, I guess, because those are my my thoughts for the episode. Moving on to to Clone Watch. If anyone saw my TikTok, I'm okay. The mouse hasn't found me yet. You know what else hasn't been found? Other clones. Other clones in this series have not been found or spotted yet. We are seeing like bits and pieces of Kamino in Boba's little funky fresh dreams visions. So I feel like they're close. If we're on Camino, they're they're there. Just they're not showing up in Boba's memories because Boba lived a sad little boy life and did not get to hang out with all the other clones. So I enjoy the idea of that shot in this episode of like Boba running as he sees uh, Boba Fett, or I guess at that point Jango Fett starship uh, flying back to the the docking bay. 
um, and him running to the window and we seeing his reflection. I like the idea of seconds later, Fives crashed through the door and was like, <laughs> come on, dude, let's go, I don't know, do a flip. Welcome to Fantastic. Well, this is a, a segment wherein I have found some of those buck wild fan casts on the internet. Um, and I'm bringing them to my friends to examine um, like artifacts. Are you guys ready? I've never been more ready for anything okay. in my entire life. Oh boy. Let's do it. Okay. So I'm going to name some actors and then you're going to have to tell me for what role you believe they have been fan casted. I'll start on a kind of relevant one. Bill Hader. Thrawn. No, what does he have to do with this week's episode? Quickly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Max Rebo. Boba Fett? No, no. I almost said Bim Fortuna. <laughs> no. Fennec Shan. Jabba the no. Hutt? Jabba okay. the Hutt. Oh, wait. Bill Hader? <laughs> I told that... you, some of these are just like, what the, why? That makes me a Bill Hader. Are you ready for the next one? Billy Eichner. Yeah. Billy Eichner. Is this yes. also Boba Fett related? Tangentially, yeah. Are they <laughs> the clones? No. Billy Eichner as the clones. Drangir. No. Not Drangir, <laughs> Dengar. No. <laughs> okay. Drangir, Sorry, I was, no. you know, doing High Republic stuff lately. But him as Dengar, though? That's powerful. I like, That's I like my fan cast. For a dollar, can you get Han Solo? Valance. <laughs> no. Fuck. Is it a bounty uh, hunter? No. Are they an alien? Yes. Ooh. Bim Fortuna. Yes. Oh! <laughs> I was, I was Wait, too early so on the other one. This is Java. He's amazing. Freaking Billy Eichner and fuck what? You just said his name. Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Bill, yeah. Bill's Palace. I love it. And the droid is Matt Berry. That's a wild combination. How do I put this? Daniel Craig, but like in five different fan casts. Like five different distinct fan casts have happened as this role. No. Is it's this a- Daniel Craig? Why would he play Dooku? Just because Craig, huh? Because Dooku's fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, wait. Wait, no, 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 no. We need to pause. Pause. Did you just call Craig Dooku fine? Yeah, he's handsome. <laughs> yeah, he is. I don't wanna I don't want to engage in relations with he him, is. but I think he's handsome. Yeah, wait, he is. hold on. Now he's, he's gonna easy make on me the post eyes. the freaking one picture of the cat that's like, oh no, my again. So once again, Daniel Craig, who do we think? A Jedi? No. A Sith? No. Asajj Ventress? No. Nope. Does, does this still have to do with Boba Fett somehow? I mean, this is like considerably more tangentially, but I would say no. Um, are they, And they're not a Jedi or a Sith. Are they a Force user at all? No. Bounty Hunter? Yes. Is it Han Solo? No. Cad Bane? No. Solo is not a bounty hunter. Though I have seen, I have seen Cad Bane, Daniel Craig. This is not... That's interesting. Are, are they so? Are they are a bounty hunter? You said yes. Is it Dengar? Balance? No and no. Is Chain it like the same like era no. as Boba? Or... Yes. Okay. Bosk? Do they know him? Not Bosk. Um, I don't know if they know each other. I don't think. Embo. Okay. Whoa. Two. Embo. Yes, it is Embo. Embo. So this is what is really wild to me. Five different fan casts. Five different distinct fan casts have said, you know what? Daniel Craig is perfect for Embo. <laughs> Him jumping down when he like is doing all that little work, doing his little chasey chase. That does feel like something Daniel Craig would do. Next up, Neil Patrick Harris. 
Bobo related? Uh, no. Luke Skywalker. Jedi. No. No. Bounty Hunter. No. Asajj Ventress. No. Stop. The Sith. No. Are they Jedi? Ascender. No. No. Rebellion. No. A no Clovis. Not Clovis. Not a droid. Did you say a droid or a clone? I said a droid. <laughs> not a droid. I will say this is a pretty good fan test, actually. I think. Oh. Oh, wig. Priorly Ronin. Not Priorly Ronin. What are they mean? from? No. Are they a book character? No. Have they ever appeared in live action? No. Jess, what did you say? Are they a human? Yes. Rebels Wait, so or Clone Wars? Rebels. So they're not a book character. They're, okay. And they but have they're, they're, they're good casting for a Rebels character. I'm trying to Talus? think. Talus? No. <laughs> Who do you think I am? <laughs> oh, okay. Zeb. Nope. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's perfect casting. Um. Okay, no, I'm just trying to think of who's a little bit Neil Patrick. Do we Harris-y. know this character like and care about them? We don't care about them, but we do know them. <laughs> Mart, Mart, not Mart Matten. I have, I have a very Constantine. Good, no, not Constantine. I do have a very good Mart Matten fan cast, but I will, I'll, I'm saving it for. A okay, I think, I think M- I've got it. Hang on, hang on. I think I've got it. Is it a Rinda Price? <laughs> no, it is not a Rinda. It's Thrawn, right? No, it is not Thrawn. Is it so he's human? Is he Empire him? or Rebellion? Yeah. Is it List? No, it is not List and technically Empire. Is quizzy. he a defector? Not Quizzy. Who did you say? Wait, sorry, Quizzy. Is, is, is he a defector from no, the Empire? No, he is not a defector from the Empire. And it's not Quizzy. <laughs> Damn, I did not realize this was going to stump y'all. I, I, this- I think of this man and immediately think of this character as the crazy thing. <laughs> what? Wait, okay. Um, do we see them? Are they like an adversary to our characters? Yes. Is he one of the the is he one of the emp- two Empire guys in the first two seasons? Nope. No, we've already guessed both of them. Oh, we haven't. That's not Admiral Constantine. There's an arc with this gentleman, an entire arc we spend with him. My He's favorite my, say, my favorite Star Wars character Constantine. Ryder Azadi. No and no. Well Ryder Azadi. What? No. <laughs> Why am I thinking? Can we get, can we get like a lifeline here? Hondo's not human. Is not he Hondo. one of the? Is he the? What is, is it he, to be human? Is he the 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 guy played by Dante Bosco? That's no, uh, Jai Kel. Jai Kel. Kel. Fen Rao. He is not a, not Fen Rao. You are closer though. Is it? He's what's his a, name? Um, not the Visla guy. Pre Visla. Pre Visla. No, not Pre Visla. You're so <laughs> close though. Oh my god. His, um, um, his, Tiber. Fall Tiber. Yes, yeah, it's like his fucked up little. His cousin or whatever the fuck, does, his brother. Does, does Neil Patrick Harris not look exactly like Tyber Saxon? I can't believe that that took you guys that long. That's, it's a, one of those things where even before I saw the fan cast, I was like, Neil Patrick Harris makes sense I always, that. I always think of Noah Neil Patrick when I see Harris Tyber is Saxon. already a Star Wars character now, though. <laughs> he is. My bestie, Kari. I think Tyber Saxon's good lookalike. We all get a glub shitto that we all, a Star Wars glub shitto that we all look like. Um, and unfortunately, Tyber Saxon is Noah's, I believe. <laughs> Someone said that I look like Admiral Constantine and it changed no. my whole life. Hugh Jackman. <laughs> and, for the same role, John Krasinski. Arenda Price. Stop! You, is no. it hu- human? Yes. Um, A Jedi? Empire yes. Rebels era? Qui-Gon Jinn. Not Qui-Gon Jinn. I have they, tell, I feel like have they been telling- on screen before? Have they been? Are they a canon character? Like, that's been in uh, visual media. Yes, they have been in visual media. They've been in two pieces of visual media. Have they been in live action? No. Kane and Jarrus. Yes. 
<gasps> no! Hugh Jackman? Kanan, I'm so John? sorry, Kanan. I'm so sorry, John, John Krasinski? Kanan, I'm so sorry, King, that they're not weighing in! John fucking Krasinski? Okay, this is how that would go down. He would, like, <gasps> when Kanan is about to die by fire, he turns to Hera and does a little face he does in the office when he looks at the camera and then he no. fucking dies. Oh my god, not fucking A Quiet Place AU. I can't with that. What I was going to say is, you know, like that thing where it's like the industrial revolution and its consequences, the bad batch and its consequences <laughs> for the finale, Jim Parsons <laughs> and Rain Wilson. <laughs> Don't Gron. say Ron. <laughs> not Thrawn. Okay, I said, I said no, 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 no. I said Gron. Not Gron. I still have like a considerable amount of Gron fan cast. Is he human? Is he human? No, not human. Are they from um, a TV show? They are from a TV show. They are not a Jedi. Have they been in live action? No. Well, I don't think so. Is it quizzy? No, it is not quizzy. Rebels or Clone Wars? Rebels. Um. Okay, and they're an alien from Rebels. I never, said, I never said an alien. They're no. not human. Are they droid? Yes. Is it AP5? Yes, it is AP5. Yeah! Oh my God. Hey, that feels so hateful to AP5. I'm so sorry. I just, I like Office AU of the, the Office AUification. Hello and welcome to Name That Ship, uh, where we take fan fictions that we have found or that other people have sent us and um, we try to make each other guess them. Again, this is all for the love of fan fiction and the. Um, wealth of just combinations of characters that can occur, especially in a universe as large as Star Wars. So please don't harass anyone. We do this out of love. This was sent in by Ari, the host of the Millennium Pod. This is a crossover. It is character A slash character B slash character C. The other two ships are from the non-Star Wars thing. Star Wars characters, other than... Oh, no, I can't give you any of the characters. That would give it away. (laughs) Additional tags. Alternate universe. Established relationship. Fluff, Christmas fluff, baking holidays. It's titled, May the Fudge Be With You. Character A spends some holiday time with her soulmates. Character B and character C in Japan. (laughs) Okay, should we just start guessing? (laughs) Yeah. is this, are all of the characters from Star Wars, like, from the same era? Yes. Okay, is one of them Ray Skywalker? No. Is Ooh. this, like, prequels? Uh, no. Uh, okay. okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go down a limb here, just uh, as a totally random guess. Is one of them a Rinda Price? No. You no, can't have a Rinda you, <laughs> you can also guess what it crosses over with. I will give you this. The, the she, character A who spends some holiday time with her soulmates, is from the other thing, and the two other people are from Star Wars. Are the two and other- those two people do, I will say this, those two people do canonically associate with each other and work together. Finn and Poe. No. Are they from prequel era? One of them appears in the prequel era. Okay, the so the original from- trilogy more? Yes. Obi-Wan. This one, Obi-Wan. No. Anakin? No. Are these live-action characters? Like, mainly. One of them. Chewbacca. Hmm. Nope. Is one of them from Rebels? Yes. One of them a main character for Rebels? Or like amongst the regularly occurring cast? Yes. Is one Hondo. Rex? No. No to Rex and no to Hondo? Okay. Is one a clone? No. Are any of these men or are they all women? 
Um, so the first one that's not from Star Wars is a woman, and the second two are men. Okay. I, and can I will I, give you. I'll I give you question? this. One one of the men is human, and one is non-human. Is one of Palace them the Victorian mayor from this episode of Book of Boba Fett? No. Okay. Second no, the, one is from Rebels, and one is from original trilogy. Yes. The way that my thought was Lando and Nine Nub. Am I? <laughs> can I? Can I ask a question? Yeah. Is the crossover piece of media something that you? enjoy or is it just like a random piece of crossover? Um, it's something that many of us used to enjoy. No. Doctor Who? I was no. about to say, I'm like, is it Doctor no, Who? No, no, no. Okay. It's something... Supernatural? No. Oh, thank God. I can't do that. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> not on this podcast. <laughs> okay, well, that's, that's Sherlock. Sure horrible. Yeah, I was like, that's like, I'm like horrible triangle. Many of us Sherlock. used to enjoy it. Um, Was it a, a po- big reason uh, we don't anymore? Is it a popular Tumblr show? It's a popular... Is it the one flirt? Book and movie series. Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. It is. Hermione it's... Granger. Yes. Yes, the woman is Hermione Granger. No. Can you... I... Are the characters she ship with adults right now? Yes. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> um, um, I will is it say... Luke Skywalker? No. I will say, uh, if you can... You can also try and guess some of the other characters. The other characters are... Because you have guessed... Um, that it is Harry Potter, I will give you this. That the side <laughs> ships, the side ships are Lucius Malfoy and Narcissa Malfoy and Arthur Weasley and Molly Weasley. Because this is some, I don't. Why are they here? I don't know. Out of here. No, 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 Harry no, no, no. Character. No, 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 no. Because why are they in Japan? <laughs> um, I'll say this. Um, it says it in the first sentence. Um, Hermione looked around her flat that she purchased in Tokyo for her job as a liaison with Japan's Wizarding Ministry. <laughs> Okay, so, so this is in the Harry Potter canon. And there's an alien. <laughs> yes. And it's not, and it's not Nine Nub. Yes. And is, the the alien? Is, Nine Nub? <laughs> is the alien? Is the alien? Is the is the alien from from Rebels? Is the yes. alien character in Rebels? Is it? Is it, please? It's it's not. Please tell me it's not who I who I'm afraid it is. Is Thrawn turning Japanese? Yes, yes or no. No, get thrown out of here! Who are the other kids? Is it Tarkin? No, you're getting closer. Is it? Is it Eli Vanto? Is it Darth Vader? You're getting closer. Is it Anakin? Is, no. Is it Krennic? Yes. <laughs> Wait, who? No. Is it Krennic or Palpatine? Palpatine. Palpatine. Get Palpatine out of here! Palpatine, Thrawn, and Hermione. Hermione's true loves are. Thrawn okay. and Palpatine. Okay, so and then, they're lost in Japan together. I bet they know how to pronounce Wingardium Leviosa or whatever she says. Oh yeah, in the second paragraph, she does pronounce um, Thrawn's full name. <laughs> Hermione spent some holiday time with her soulmate, Chief Palpatine and Thrawn in Japan. <laughs> in Japan. <laughs> this is a fic that has two ships. They are not interrelated. So there are, there's character A, character B, and then character C and character D. Those are the two pairings. Um, additional tags, gossip, praise kink, developing relationship, uh, C and D secondary, grinding, drinking, two emotionally stunted people admit their feelings for each other after alcohol is involved, tactical party, AU where the empire <laughs> wins at the battle of Yavin. <laughs> Is this Tarkin and Krennic? That is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so the background ship of this is Orson Krennic and Wilhelm Tarkin. Is they this Thranto? The... No, it is not. So are they two men? Yes. Is one of the... Are they both human? No. Are they both non-human? No, also no. 
One is an alien, one is not. Is it a... Are, is it Quizzy and Talus? No! <laughs> no. Are they, are they are both Empire characters? Yes. Is, is one of them Thrawn, Thrawn and Talus? One of them is Thrawn. No. Is Arenda the other? No, it's another man. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are going to get this. I'll be very happy for is you. Is it Thrawn and Constantine? No. Is Thrawn it and Veers. Is it yes! another... What? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Veers, watch this one's for you. Veers, watch. I have a quick question. How many fan fictions are there on AO3 that include Veers? I don't know about including him. I'm curious. Let me let me see if there are any more that are um that are Thrawn and Veers specific. I I, oh, I just I, this will give you context. He's in from um uh Empire and he's uh he's the one leading leading the attack on Hoth. So he's wearing his the funky little hat and he's like, go shoot those motherfuckers. He he's he's that one. Um okay, do you wanna do you wanna try and guess how many fics there are in the Thrawn slash Beers tag? There is, is there more than 16. one. Sixteen. There's more than sixteen. Two hundred thirty six. There's less than two hundred, but more than thirty six. One hundred. Forty five. Uh directly one above Mel. There 40. are forty there are forty six fan fictions. In the Thrawn slash Beers tag. Holy shit. shit little do you, little one, do you know I have that fic ta- I have that fic bookmarked. The most little do you know Mel's written all of them. <laughs> was actually published January 3rd of this year. I love that. Wait, that's was like, this oh, two days ago? Or no, wait, that's last year. I um I think it's 2021, actually. So time is okay. really hard for me. But yes, there are 46 of these. I Period. did not know that before researching just now. So for them. Well, are you ready for this fic? It's called Big Surprise. Uh, <laughs> That's a good title. I don't, I'm not going to name the characters because I think it'll give it away. Uh, additional tags. This sets up basically the entire premise for this AU. Character A is a good dad. Character B is not the best. Yes, she's a person in this AU. By the way, Fives and Echo have actual names. Uh, so don't feel confused. Basically, everything is explained as you read. Typical sibling relationships. Alternate universe, modern setting. What, so quickly, what are Fives and Echoes' real names? Because oh, I... Let me find out. Like, this, is, this is Frank and Aaron with an E. Okay, so are wait, these the two main men? ship... I don't think so. One of them is a man, Um, um, followed by uh, Fives and, and uh, Echoes' real names are Felix and Eli. <laughs> no, we already have an Eli. <laughs> oh my are god. These, are these Clone Wars era characters? Yeah. One is Je- kind of... Jedi? No, neither of them are Jedi. No, wait, what were you going to say? You said one is kind of... One is kind of transcendent of time. Are they but... a droid? Boba Fett. No. The were they do? a droid? No. No, they are not a droid. <laughs> um, are they... Is it? Is it the daughter? No, it is not. Hmm. I don't the know son? Why. The father? No, no. The Holy Spirit? No. So this character transcends, like... Like, yes. um... Yoda? Not, no. Are they are they a human? No. Fuck. Is but they're human in this world. They're not human a, in this AU. Not a droid? Not a droid. It's not Chewbacca. Is it, it is not Chewbacca. Hey, is it a woman? Is, is it a no. ship? No. The Millennium Falcon? No. Is it the world of the Yeah, the No, no. Are they an alien? Are they a no. living being? Where did they in a way appear? Are they like the, uh, persona- the first the first appearance is in Attack of the Clones? Is it a um 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 fuck a G oh my god what are they called a Geonosian no 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 um a Kaminoan no 
Oh, well, never mind. Wait, first appearance in Attack of the Clones. Is it <laughs> Zam Wessel? No. <laughs> um, I, I can't say anything more than that because it'll one get of, away. Okay, is one of Look, the What's her characters... name? The one um, person that Django hires. Zam, Zam no. Wessel. I just said her. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> is one of them Django Fett? Yes, one of them is Django Fett. Okay, so it's Django Fett and somebody. In this AU, so okay, so 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 is this the personification of something that is yes. not living? Yes. Is it the personification of Boba Fett's starship? No, it is not. Dang it! Oh, thank the God. Personification of Camino? Yes. The entire <gasps> oh, planet. God. The entire planet? the entire planet of Camino. Is her name Topoka? Like Topoka City? No, I believe her name is Camino. And this is our beautiful son, Felix. Boba Fett. Fives. Oh my god. So, okay. That's, no. So this is like, okay. So, not, this is like the he doesn't stick his dick in a planet, right? Like, we're we're clear about that. The planet is a human in this. Yes, she is. So a... He's not like, like going down to the water and fucking the planet. <laughs> yeah, not no. Yet. Yeah, I also don't think he has sexual relations with her. Yeah, no. I love Gee. that for him. Oh, thank god. So, yeah. Wow. Um, How did I get that? I don't that know. That was going to be my next guess, honestly. Her first appearance is in the Attack of the Clones. Camino. <laughs> Wait, I love how you're like, yeah, she's a woman. And I was like, oh, Camino. I know. I was like, Camino has a, just has a feminine aura. Not, not the feminine the feminine urge to be a planet. Sorry, I'm reading it and there's so many layers. Wait, wait, wait. Huh? Uh oh. So so does he stick his dick in the? No, he doesn't. No, no. There's no. There's nothing sexual about this. Um, I I I can't. I don't know if Camino is the babysitter. Django with the babysitter. (laughs) But the the problem is, is that I do also believe Sifo-Dyas is a character in this. So I'm like, there's. I don't know what's going on here. What? This is crazy. Anyways, I need to finish this podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this week uh, for RuPalp's Padres. Episodes usually drop on Sundays. For updates, Star Wars news, and more cursed shit, follow us on social media at RuPalp's Padres on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you really love the show, please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Spotify, or Overcast. It means a lot to us. May the Force be with you, and don't grip it up. Waka waka. Waka waka. Waka waka. waka.